Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This sermon is taken from the 2014 Annual Missions Conference. This is the evening service of Thursday the 29th of May 2014. Here's Dr. Steve Cook. Well, good evening. It's great to be back with you here in Birmingham, and uh, I, I've been blessed. Uh, I was blessed last year when I was with you all. And uh, I appreciate your pastor so much. Uh, we've become friends, uh, and, and hopefully uh, we'll be friends to the very end. Amen? And, uh, but it's, it's a blessing. I was blessed by the Grits presentation. Uh, I remember when my wife and I were just dating that uh, a lot of the folks in America, a lot of the young people in America, um, on... Uh, on New Year's Eve, do some things that they ought not be doing and uh, to celebrate. And my wife and I, when we were just dating, uh, her name is Cozy, C-O-S-I-E. I have some prayer cards back there. You can pick one up, see a picture of my lovely wife. Uh, we would go up into the parking lot of the church house uh, where we attended. And uh, at the stroke of midnight, uh, when the world is celebrating the new year, we began praying that God would use us in a special way. That was our desire. First time I ever talked to my wife uh, on the phone, first time I ever talked to her when she was my girlfriend, I preached to her for three hours. I said, if she can't take a sermon, I don't want to marry her. Amen. <laughs> so uh, I, I won't preach to you for three hours tonight, but... Uh, it was a blessing, and uh, my wife and I have uh, been involved in ministry for many, many years, uh, nearly, well, 40 years at least. And uh, I pastored uh, before I became a missionary. Um, I, I knew God was going to call me to missions, but uh, he led me into the pastorate first. And the reason for that was to teach me more about how to be a missionary. And so uh, after pastoring for many years, uh, the Lord called me into Jewish missions. I'll tell you more about that Saturday evening. I have a brochure back there. Uh, the ministry I'm engaged in is called Jewish Worldwide Mission Ministries, JWMM. And uh, if you haven't picked up one of those brochures, uh, some of you may have done that already last time I was here. I also have a prayer card and uh, have some little business card. I have a website. It has a great deal of uh, resources on it. Uh, you're welcome to download anything and everything that you want to. There are correspondence courses on there. I just had a fellow in Tanzania, Africa, that just completed uh, the Jewish Christian Studies correspondence course. And I, I, you know, I, I graded his test and sent him a, a certificate of completion, the whole nine yards. So that was a blessing. And uh, he's a principal at a school. And so how about that? Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. When I talk about Jewish missions, there's so much that I could talk to you about. So many experiences the Lord has given to me. Probably the most exciting experience I ever had in Jewish missions was I led an Israeli by the name of Boaz, Chalgi to the Lord in Jerusalem outside of the empty tomb. I, as a missionary to the Jew, it didn't get much better than that, to lead a Jewish man to the Lord outside 
the empty tomb in the heart of Jerusalem. And Boaz now, we call him Brother B. Boaz is my brother in Christ. Uh, I do a lot of Israel tours every year. And uh, if you've never been to Israel, listen to me, December the 1st through the 11th this year, you can fly to Israel, meet me in Ben Gurion Airport, and the cost of eight nights, nine days, eight nights, the cost with all meals included, all tours included, hotels included, guide included, would be 1,500 U.S. dollars, which is about 1,000 pounds. Now, I'm telling you, it's worth going. Now, you have to pay for your airfare. From America, it's 3133, but the airfare is what? What costs so much from America? But for you, I think it's about what uh, four or five hundred pounds, something in that neighborhood to fly to Israel. If you've never been to Israel, I invite you to go. You can go to my website and look at the uh, the brochure, the day by day itinerary. What a blessing! We also go to Petra in the country of Jordan. My burden that God has given to me primarily is to the Jewish people, for the Jewish people. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's what he says in Romans 1.16. In Romans chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, two more verses say to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Churches that don't support Jewish missions are missing a blessing. I encourage churches worldwide to get involved in reaching the Jewish people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have a church in Tanzania, East Africa, that supports me. I have a church in Cebu, Philippines, that supports me. They can't hardly feed themselves, but they want to be a blessing to God's chosen people. Having said that, Paul said in Romans chapter 9 that he could wish himself a curse from Christ for his brethren in the flesh. You know what that means? Paul's saying, I could wish that I would die and go to hell if it means that my brethren, the Jews, would be saved. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says, Brother, my, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's a burden. And God has burdened my heart for the Jewish people. I, I, I don't want to take the time, but beginning back in 1995, when my, I took my first trip to Israel, God began to stir my nest, break the twigs of the nest that I was in, to make it uncomfortable. Until finally, like Brother TJ said, you succumb to the will of God. Let me ask you a question. What is a burden? Think carefully. Don't answer too quickly. What is a burden? It's more than a concern. Let's read First four verses of Nehemiah chapter 1. 
Verse number one, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. And it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me that the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Notice what Nehemiah says in verse 4. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'll be a blessing through me to these people tonight. Help me, Father, to do that which you have called me to do. Anoint me afresh. Help me to rightly divide the word of truth. May all the glory go towards you. Help me not to seek glory for myself. That would be nothing more than sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Lord, that's not what you want me to do, and that's not what I want to do. I pray, Father, that you would stir the hearts of these, your people, that you have placed here in Birmingham under the pastorate of Pastor Curtis. And Lord, I pray that you would move them in a way that you've never moved them before. That in the days ahead, Lord, this church will be even a greater beacon of light to this community, to this country. I ask you also to bless the grits, Lord, as they raise their support and do their internship and prepare to go to Spain. Lord, I pray that you'll get glory from their life. Wherever they go, may they seek to please you in Jesus' name. Amen. Nehemiah says, when I heard these words, verse 4, when it came to pass, when I heard this word, these words, I sat down and wept and mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. I ask you a question. What is a burden? And that's a question we must come to deal with tonight. Because tonight, I want to talk about the burden of missions. And I want to talk about the characteristics of Nehemiah's burden. And then I want you to compare in your own heart. Evaluate yourself. Search your heart tonight. And see whether or not God has burdened you. A burden, usually heavy. The Bible says it causes our arms to hang low because of the weight. You've had a burden before, no doubt. You know what, how heavy a burden can be. And burdens are very heavy. Not only that, burdens are often carried alone. That's why in Galatians, Paul writes that we ought to bear one another's burdens. I, I, listen, I need to come to church. I'm glad that you all are here tonight because you, God has something for you. But those who aren't here are going to miss out. Let's face it. Every church I go into, there's, there's always a, an issue. And pastors always seem to want to apologize because the numbers aren't. Listen, 
I preached to two or 2,000. Doesn't matter to me. God didn't call me to preach to great numbers. He didn't call me to be a celebrity. He called me to be a servant. And I'll preach to two or 2,000. Doesn't matter. I've preached to 10,000 before. Point I'm making is, is that I need to come to church. I need you all. I love you all. I really do. And, and, and I'm so happy that I'm back here. I, I had such a wonderful, blessed time last year. I love your pastor and his wife. I love her cooking, by the way. <laughs> I don't love driving on the right-hand side of the road. <laughs> That's a little bit crazy for a person who grew up in America because we drive on the left-hand side. Burdens, listen, burdens, they are heavy. They are often carried alone. And burdens usually last a long time. They sure do. I want you to look at seven characteristics of Nehemiah's burden in these first chapter and a half. Let's look at the first characteristic of Nehemiah's burden. In verse number one, he said he was in Shushan the palace. Where's Shushan the palace? Well, that would be in Babylon. <laughs> About 900 miles from Jerusalem. Can I tell you that the first characteristic that I see here is that distance did not prohibit Nehemiah's burden. You see, you can have a burden for countries all around the world. These flags represent countries. And I dare say none of you have been to every one of these countries. Anybody has been to all of the countries represented on these flags? No. But yet you have a burden. Because distance does not prohibit a burden. You can have a burden for the Jews, though you've never been to Israel. You can have a burden for, and I don't even know what all these flags are, to be honest with you. But you can have a burden for those people in America, though you've never been to America. We need prayer. We need missionaries in America. How sad. I have a burden for people in England. But I live in America. And so what I'm saying to you is that distance does not have to prohibit you from having a burden. You say, well, preacher, we don't have any Jews in this neighborhood. We have a lot of other people. A lot of uh, Arabs and Muslims, and we have a lot of Indians, and we have a lot of maybe Japanese or Chinese. You know, I saw a lot of different nationalities since I've been in England. You can see the same thing in America. Preacher, I, I, why should we support missions to the Jew? I don't know any Jews. How many of you know at least one Jew? How many of you don't know any Jews? Okay, let me ask you a question. How many of you know Jesus? Jesus was a Jew, amen? So you know at least one Jew. How about that? So what I'm saying is Nehemiah developed a burden, okay? He developed a burden about Jerusalem. He had never been there. Do you know Nehemiah was born in captivity? He had never been to Israel. He had never been to Jerusalem but he's asking about what's going on there. The rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding of the temple. He's wanting to know how things are going. 
Secondly, differences should not prohibit our burden. Look at verse 11, the last half, the last part of verse 11. Nehemiah says, I was a king's cupbearer. Do you know what a king's cupbearer did? A king's cupbearer is a person who ate the food of kings, drank the drink of kings, lived in Shushan the palace. He dressed in the best of clothes, slept no doubt on satin sheets, had silk pillowcases. He had it made compared to all of the other Jews in captivity. You see, the Jews were in Babylon because they were taken as slaves. But Nehemiah was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He had the best that money could afford. But yet, he had a burden for what was going on in Jerusalem. Distance didn't prohibit his burden, but differences didn't prohibit his burden. I'm glad that God didn't call all of you to go on a mission field like TJ and Kimberly Gritz. I'm glad. Why? Because someone needs to come to the church and bring all your tithes into the storehouse and all your offerings into the storehouse and all of your faith promise giving into the storehouse so that Bethel Baptist Church can send support as well as pray for the missionaries which you have entered into a partnership with. If everybody here was a missionary, we couldn't pay these light bills, trust me. I know, I'm a missionary. But you know, God, listen, God gives just enough. No matter what love offering, I've said this before, I'll say it again. People didn't pay me to preach, I'd pay them to listen. Amen? (laughs) Because I think it's that important. God always provides. And he provides through local churches like this one. Thirdly, notice that Nehemiah didn't develop a burden overnight. It took time for this burden to be developed. Why is Pastor Larry having a missions conference? I'll tell you why. So that you might be exposed to the need. He realizes the importance of mission. He is a missionary, has been for many years. He understands. TJ gave testimony of he and his wife listening and being exposed to a need in Spain. I was exposed to Israel before God called me to missions in Jewish evangelism. You have to be exposed to a need before you can ever have a burden. And notice, if you will, please, in this first four verses, he says in verse number two, Hanani, one of my brethren, came, and he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem, and they said unto me, the remnant that are left in the cap- of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. There was a great need in Jerusalem. There was a great need. 
people were in affliction and reproach. The walls were broken down and the gates burned with fire. This was God's holy city mentioned at minimum of 800 times in the Bible. Most mentioned city in the Bible, the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was a Jew. Yes, he was raised in captivity. No, he had never been to Jerusalem or to any part of Israel. But he had a burden. And that burden began with being exposed to the need. Fourthly, look at the depth of his burden. The depth of his burden. Verse 4. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Four things. When I heard these words, he says he sat down and then what? He wept. What is weeping? Weeping. Can I tell you what that is? Spiritual. Listen, that's not spiritual. That's emotional. Emotional anguish. You don't weep unless you're emotional. When I was growing up, my mother, bless her heart, loved to watch soap operas. Drove me crazy. Drove my father nuts. Bonkers, as you would say here in the UK. Drove us bonkers. And, and, my, and I would come home from school. My mother would be weeping, and I thought, oh, no, something terrible has happened. Mother, what's wrong? Oh, oh, Billy and, and, and Joanne got divorced on TV. I'm the guiding light, or as the stomach turns, or one of those silly soap operas. And I said, good grief, mother. That's a show. It's not real. I know, but I just love them, and I just hate to see them. She was so emotional. She would weep over the least little thing on television. Some people weep when they read a good book. Some people weep when they see a photograph. Some people, listen, <laughs> when I'm blessed in church, I don't get loud and shout, amen, hallelujah, glory to God. I weep. People react differently. Secondly, not only did he weep, which is emotional anguish, he mourned. What does that mean, to mourn? Back in the days of Christ, people would hire mourners for funerals. I, I went to the sarcophagus of David in Jerusalem, near the upper room. And there they have the sarcophagus of King David. And, and women will go on one side and men will go on the other side. And, 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 but a long time ago, they all went into the same area. And, and I walked in there and there was a woman, a Jewish woman, an Israeli woman with her head covered. And she was weeping. But then she began to make noises, moaning, groaning. I asked our Israeli guide at that time. I was, I was a pastor. I wasn't a, a missionary to the Jew. And Michael Almog was our guide. And I said, Michael, I said, what is she doing? He said, she is mourning for her Messiah. Mourning for her Messiah. I said, how sad. Messiah came 2,000 years ago and she missed him. As did the whole nation. Except for a handful of believers. Mourning. We don't understand mourning in the West. 
But the people of the East, they understand mourning. It's more than emotional. It's mental anguish. Mental anguish. Thirdly, he fasted. Well, that doesn't sound even like a Baptist term, does it? To fast. Well, that's physical anguish. You see, when you have a burden, not only are you emotional, but you suffer from mental anguish and physical anguish. Let me tell you, if you have a real burden for something, it's going to cause you to lose your appetite to a degree. I remember when my, my wife and I, we were still dating, and she went on a vacation after graduation from high school. And for a week or so, I was just sick to my stomach. I don't, I just, I was so lovesick and, and I missed her so badly. And, and, and my mother bought a big pizza and brought it home and I didn't even feel like eating it. And, and she said, what is wrong with you? And I didn't want to tell her what was wrong with me. I just said, I just don't feel good. But she knew because as soon as Cozy got back from that vacation, man, I was wolfing it down again. Physical anguish. Prayed. Weeping, emotional. Mourning, mental. Fasting, physical. All anguish. What is prayer? And he prayed unto the God of heaven. He wasn't called Nehemiah for nothing. He was on his knees more than not. It would do you good to read through the book of Nehemiah and just read his prayers. Some of them are long prayers. Some of them are sentence prayers. Prayer is spiritual anguish. You don't pray unless you're serious. Oh, you might pray a kindergarten prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. You know, that's a kindergarten prayer. Or you might pray, God is great, God is good, and we thank him for food. By his hand we must be fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. That's a kindergarten prayer. You don't pray unless you're serious spiritually. Must be important. Satan attacks my prayer life more than he does any other aspect of my Christian life. How about you? Well, that was the depth of his burden. Look at the devotion of his burden. The fifth characteristic, beginning in verse 5, and I won't read verse 5 through 11, but I will tell you that in verse 5, he says in verse 5, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandment. Let now thine let now let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. And he goes on and he prays all the way through verse 11. That's one of Nehemiah's prayers that you could read. His devotion was such that he demonstrated his burden by prayer. I, I don't know why God doesn't answer my prayer. Are you praying? <laughs> I know people who say, well, I, God just doesn't answer my prayer. And I say, well, how, how often do you pray? Well, I, I prayed about it once. Hello? Why don't you pray about it two or three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or until God gets finished and answers that prayer? 
I think it's important that we be persistent in our prayer life. Nehemiah prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. That was the devotion. Look at the duration of his devotion. Look, if you will, at verse number one. Words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu. Do you know what month Chislu is? About December. Cold. Winter. And look at, if you will, chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in the month Nisan. What month is that? Uh, that'd be either March or April. It changes because their calendar has less days than ours does. From December to April, five months, Nehemiah wept and he mourned and he fasted and he prayed. He wept and he mourned and he fasted and he prayed. He wept and he mourned and he fasted and he prayed for five months. We don't see that very often anymore. We certainly don't see it in the church. What is a burden? Can I tell you it's more than a concern? You can have a concern and do nothing. Sit, soak, and sour in a pew. Let's face it. That's a concern. I'm concerned about world hunger. I'm concerned about where that plane from Malaysia went down. I'm concerned about problems that are going on in the world. But that doesn't mean I'm burdened. I'm just concerned. Look, if you will, please. <clears throat> Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. You probably know this by heart. But since this is a missions conference, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bring his sheaves with him. Preacher, we haven't had people saved lately. Or we haven't had a lot of people saved lately. Are we going forth weeping, bearing precious seed? Closest thing to the heart of God is mission. Make no mistake about it. That's the closest thing to the heart of God. That's the essence of our faith. God saved us not to sit in a church house. God saved us to go forth weeping, bearing precious seed. The preacher, I, I can't go. I've got a job. I've got a family. I've got a life outside of the church. I, I, listen, I understand that. I really do. I'm out of town 240 days a year. I have a wife that has lupus, had two major back surgeries here this past year, just found out yesterday she's going to have to have another one in August. I have a mother that's 81 years old that's had nine broken bones, a knee replacement, a pacemaker put in. She's been in nine rehabs in the last two and a half years. My sister and I both want her to stay 100% 24-7 in a nursing facility because my sister lives in Florida. I'm out of town. She can't take care of herself. I understand all of that. Preacher, what can I do? 
Can you pray? Will you pray? Will you give financially so that others, like the grits, myself, might go? Last year, I spent $45,000 in mission trips around the world. 45000 I spent $11,000 in fuel for my car. I don't care. God gives it in this hand. It goes right through me to out this hand. As God gives, I send it. My ministry last year spent everything except $1,500 that came into it last year on mission. I don't keep any of it and hoard it up. I take as little salary as I need to survive. My reward's out of this world, praise God. And I know that you can give. You say, preacher, how can I give? Well, let's look at the last point, and I'm done. Look at chapter 1, or chapter 2, excuse me, verse 1. Chapter 2. And let's look at the direction of Nehemiah's burden. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Notice what Nehemiah says in verse 2. Then I was very sore afraid. Why was he afraid? Because for him, a cupbearer, to come before the king, the Babylonian king, with a sad countenance, was a sentence of death. And, and the king was perceptive. God had revealed to this king that he was not sick, but this was because of sorrow of heart. This was the burden that was weighing him down, causing his arms to hang low. What's the Holy Spirit kick in? Verse 3. And said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Do you think that a cupbearer would address the king that way without the Holy Spirit of God giving him that holy boldness? And preachers don't get up and preach that way unless the Holy Spirit gives them that holy boldness. Amen? Verse 4. Notice what the king says. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? Wow. Remember verse 11, chapter 1? He prayed that God would grant him mercy in the sight of this man. This was the king. And now you see how quickly God answered his prayer. Artaxerxes said to Nehemiah, Well, what do you need? Hey, you know what we would have done? We would have pulled out a shopping list, wouldn't we? That's not what Nehemiah did. Look at verse 4. So I prayed to the God of heaven. There's one of Nehemiah's prayers again. Nehemiah. He prayed before he made request. And you know what? You read the rest of the book. God granted him mercy in the sight of that man. In other words, God made a way where there seemeth not to be a way. Preacher, how can I possibly give more to faith promise? How can I possibly give more to missions? 
pray. God, nothing's too hard for you. I ask for $10 more a month. That's nothing. That's pocket change. That's nothing to God. God doesn't need the loan. God wants to bless you. And you say, God, if you give me $10 more a month, I'll give it to missions. If you give me 50 pounds more a month, I'll give it to missions. Now, don't lie to God. Don't make a promise to God and then break it or the judgment will fall. But if you want to be a blessing, if you want to help missions, if you want to partner with missionaries worldwide, you don't have to go. But they who go need your support and they need your prayers. What's a burden? A little more than a concern, isn't it? Father, we love you. We ask your blessings, Father, on this church. I pray, God, that you'll just bless these people in a great and mighty way. Father, that you'll move them in the area of missions more than you've ever moved them before. May this year's mission conference bear more fruit than any other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.